the doctrine Jesus proclaimed, in other words, the good news of the kingdom, his coming kingship, and redemption for all who sought entrance within his royaume, uh, receiving the forgiveness of sins. Of course, this was authorized by divine power. It was sourced from the Father. It came from the Scripture, the fulfillment of Scripture, if you will. And it is truly unfortunate how delusional the Jews were against Christ. They grumbled, they argued, they were divisive, and sought to murder him. They accused him of being a blasphemer, the devil, a thief, and one who led the people astray. And they were so fully convinced in their conscience that it was seared with self-righteous hypocrisy. They saw all the good works Jesus was doing and knew they just couldn't say, well, we got to get rid of him because, well, we just hate him. <laughs> that wouldn't have worked, would it? So they had to create fault. They couldn't find any, so they had to create fault. So they slandered him. They bore false witness against him. But anyone with honest heart could see the good works and know he was not guilty of the things they accused him of. Even the heathen could know that. Sadly, the same happens today among brethren in the church, corrupt, prideful, and controlling preachers who split churches, separate families, dissolve friendships. They do so for pride, for control, and greed, and they will blame the faithful. They will blame the faithful for, for, for everything. With all sorts of accusations they themselves are guilty of, completely delusional to reality, sociopaths, psychological manipulators, cunning liars of the most deceitful craft. And though this is a fact of our faith, so is Christ within all who are humble and trusting in his word. Therein we have hope to persevere through the temptations, the trials, the persecutions, and many other hostile threats to our walk with God. Stefan Maillet with you. AddedSouls.com is the website. This, of course, is our Sermon Sunday session. Please consider subscribing to the channel over here on rumble.com slash C as in Charlie slash AddedSouls. You can sign up to AddedSouls.locals.com. It's free to do so, and you can choose of your own free will to support monthly the Added Souls ministry, and you will have access to exclusive content. Growing hostility towards the Christ taking place here in John, the Gospel of John, more so aggressively beginning in chapter 5 and moving forward. And for this session, we find ourselves in chapter 7, moving forward with verse 10 and following. To do so, again, we look at the foundation of its context, the contextual foundation in which things are happening and why they are happening. The Christ had recognized and discerned that a great many who were following him were not doing so in a genuine practice. They were following him in order to either find entertainment, drama, oh, what's going to happen next? Oh, what is he going to say to the Pharisees? Oh, here we go, get the popcorn, you know. Others, simply because, well, he's going to give us food in the belly. We don't necessarily care much for what he is saying or doing. He's going to give us food in the belly. They were seeking physical nourishment. And that came to an expiration when Christ brought forward the challenge and made it clear to them he is the Christ, the Son of God. He is equal with the Father. And he must die in order to fulfill the prophets, the redemptive scheme, 
salvation for mankind. He must die. And um, they didn't want to accept that. They understood that. They just did not want to accept that. And because of that, sadly, many, many of his disciples withdrew and were not walking with him anymore. While this is happening, growing hostility towards him from the Jews and the Pharisaical governing leadership to which Christ was proclaiming freedom from. He was telling the people, you do not need these gatekeepers, these key holders. You do not need them. You can be set free from that bondage. And they hated him for it. They hated him for it for a great many reasons, of course, because he was true and genuine and transparent and had power. And he spoke with authority, and they couldn't stand that. They were losing their fame. They were being shamed and exposed and revealed as self-righteous hypocrites. And so they would often be described in the gospel as grumbling, as grumbling and arguing, divisive, and for this reason, therefore, the Jews were seeking all the more to murder him. They wanted to murder him. His own siblings, his own household, his siblings, for not even his brothers were believing in him. His people, his culture. We can learn a lot from our master and how he persevered with great courage, though as a man experiencing humanity must have been quite discouraging when your own siblings are deceived by the manipulative influence, pride, and control of the pharisaical ilk, the diatrophic endeavor, if you will. They just couldn't see the truth, had a veil before their eyes. Oh, Jesus, if you are who you say you are, you need to go to Jerusalem and have the approval of the pharisaical leadership. Then once they put their stamp of approval on you, maybe we'll choose to believe in you. You have to go to the gatekeepers. No one's going to know who you are over here in Galilee. You need to go to the location of religious cultivation, acceptance. And from that context and things moving forward, we find ourselves in the portion of Scripture you and I are going to investigate, read, learn from, Verse 10 and following, But when his brothers had gone up to the feast, this feast, of course, very important to the Jew, the most important of three, we must go to this feast and thank God for the bountiful nourishment and the crops and the fellowship and all the wonderful blessings. But it was not yet the time in which Christ was to give up his spirit. On the cross. It was not yet the time, so he had utilized prudence. He was in control. He was not going to go about with the demands and control of the religious leaders of the day, nor his siblings. He is going to control this situation because it's not yet his time to die on the cross. So when his brothers had gone up to the feast... Then he himself also went up, not publicly. And someone says, well, hey, wait a minute now. Is there not a verse in the Bible where Jesus is witnessed and recorded saying that he did nothing in secret, that all things were spoken of publicly? Well, of course he did. There is no contradiction between the verses here. Pay attention to what is revealed by the penmanship of the Holy Spirit and the Gospel of John. When his brothers had gone up to the feast, then he, the Christ, Jesus himself, also went up, not publicly. See, the gospel message he proclaimed was publicly, but what was done secretly 
is his appearance within the feast. Why? It was not yet his time to die on the cross, and he knew the hostility of the Jews were growing towards him to the point of boiling. They wanted to murder him. So the Jews were seeking him at the feast, and they were saying, well, where is he? He claims to have equality with the Father. We've witnessed him perform miraculous activities. He speaks with such authority, well-versed. All the Jews congregate together here for the feast. Where is he? Well, there was much grumbling among the crowds concerning him. Again, chapter 7, verse 12. Look at chapter 6, verse 41. Look at verse 52. They grumble. They argue. They cause division. They are more concerned about their academic pursuits to which they had since taken and set as law. And that indeed is the wisdom, the insight to discern a pharisaical individual behind the pulpit. He will make his academic pursuits law. And if you dare cross him or seek to expose his hypocrisy, you'll be kicked out of the temple. How dare you stand for the truth? You're kicked out of the temple. We've seen individuals, Jews, subordinates, loyal to these gatekeepers, these key holders, these scholars, these lawyers behind the pulpit. No, we can't stand with Jesus. We can't defend Jesus. We can't. They'll kick us out of the temple. They'll kick us out of the church. Don't stand with the truth when there is a Pharisee who has taken preeminence behind the pulpit. He'll kick you out of the church. He'll run you out of the church. Grumbling among the crowds concerning Jesus, some were saying, well, he's a good man. And others were saying, no, on the contrary. He leads the people astray. Now, we might be tempted to look at that verse and say to ourselves, selves, we'd side with those saying he's a good man, wouldn't we? Well, be mindful of the context. Be mindful of the growing hostility. He's a good man? He can control the weather. He can raise the dead. He can cast out demons. He can make whole the lame. He can cure the sick. He has the ability to see the inner thoughts of mankind. He's a good man? No, he's God. Have you heard him speak? Have you seen the things he is doing? He's God on earth. What do you mean he's a good man? None are good but God. Remember when Christ said that? That was the purpose. He's like, I am God. <laughs> now, he's just a good man. You know you hear that today, don't you? Sadly, even within those who claim belief. Yeah, you know, Jesus, I mean, I'm no, he didn't, he didn't raise from the dead or anything. He was just a good man. He had some good moral attributes, you know. He shared some good moral standards. Really? Well, of course he was morally upright. Of course we can see his life, his ministry, and call the man good, decent, but were you just paying attention to the miracle or were you paying attention to the sign pointing to something greater? What is he saying? Who is he? He's the Messiah, the anointed one, the Christ, the prophesied coming king, the ruler, the savior of the world, the man. He can save mankind. What do you like? Yeah, you know, he's a good man. We'd much be wiser to side with the other one saying, on the contrary, he leads people astray. He certainly was. He was leading people astray, 
Stray from whom, though? Ah, ha, ha, ha. Away from the Pharisees. Away from the religious gatekeepers who would interpret the scriptures according to their own academic pursuits, setting these as ordinances in which they would burden the people with law that they themselves would not even uphold. They were self-righteous hypocrites. And dear friends, understand this. There is no sin in honestly, in honest, motivated academic pursuits and conversations, scholarly education and knowledge. All of those things can be quite useful and very well handled when one is poor in spirit and doing so for the cause of the gospel. But these pharisaical types, these religious leaders, they were not in it for salvation. They were not in it for the Christ. They were not in it for the greater good of the kingdom, the, the church, the local congregation. They were in it for themselves. So some were saying he's a good man and others were saying no. On the contrary, he leads the people astray. Well, that one's, he, that one's more accurate. He's a good man. No, he's far more than that. He, he, he leads people astray. He certainly does. Astray from what, though? You see, the Pharisees, they were like, he's leading people away from the Father, from God, from the law. What they meant to say and what was true and real and exposed by the fruits they produced was, well, he's taking people away from us and our control and our pride. You don't think that happens? in churches who have a sign outside that says Church of Christ? You don't think these types are well and alive, crept in through the window, wolves in sheep's clothing, taking advantage of kind-hearted, faithful, innocent people in order to manipulate? Well, come on. Wake up to it. And what is so sad is as it was in the first century, they, these pharisaical types, had their subordinates, their loyalists, who were going to allow themselves to be psychologically manipulated into believing with seared conscience that they were right with God and Jesus is the problem. There was much grumbling among the crowds concerning Jesus, yet no one was speaking openly of him for fear of the Jews. Well, they're whispering, aren't they? They're whispering and gossiping. Grumbling, arguing, saying all these things, whispering. But when it was now the midst of the feast... Verse 14, Jesus went up into the temple. Oh, he went to the church, right? The local assembly there. And he began to teach. He began to teach. He went there according to his own condition and free will. And just think of the situation, friends. And crowds of individuals who have grown hostile towards him because he was telling them, you don't need to have these Pharisees. You don't need to follow these individuals. Well, of course we do. We have to. You, you know, you've not, you're not really a preacher if you've not gone to a certain preacher school. You know that, right? You know you need to go to the Bible Belt to, to, to a preaching school if, you, if you're, if you're going to have our stamp of approval. Nothing wrong with good, honest Bible schools and preaching schools and teachers. Nothing wrong. But many, oh, they fall snare and become the very thing they read. The Pharisees and their schools of thought, making their academic pursuits law. 
But when Jesus, of course, was found here in the midst of the feast, he went up to the temple and began to teach. Pay attention to this. Verse 15. Listen carefully. The Jews were astonished, saying, this is, what they were, this is what they were saying while they were astonished. You might think, oh, they're astonished in a good way. Now listen to what they say. How has this man become learned, having never been educated? He's not a Pharisee. He's not sat at the feet of Gamaliel. He's not an educated scholar or a lawyer. He's the son of a carpenter from Nazareth. And he speaks and says that he is equal with the Father? No. No. Not permissible. We don't accept it. It's not right. It shouldn't be. The, this, is not, this is not how it's supposed to be. The Pharisees, they know the Bible. They teach the law. They are men of the law. And here is this Jesus of Nazareth. They were astonished. How has this man become learned, having never been educated? How dare we petty little peasants, Gentiles, tucked away in various locations of the world, how dare we know the Bible without the approval of a Pharisee? How dare we? How dare we have the audacity to open the Bible and proclaim it without the stamp of approval from our religious authorities. Slaves are made in such ways. These Pharisees, these divisive snakes, these wolves in sheep's clothing, they will infiltrate your local congregation, split, the, split it in half and take control. They're puffed up with pride. They'll blame you for it. I've said it before, the devil will burn your house down and blame you for it. Don't you dare give him the match. Well, the Jews had given the Pharisees the match. Now they were being devoured and burned. And Jesus must be the, the guilty culprit here. How dare he know how to teach without having been educated by us? What did his, his own siblings say? He... You have no credibility unless you go over there in Jerusalem and you get yourself a stamp of approval by the religious leaders. Then maybe we'll believe you. No, not going to do that, are they? No. Yeah, sure. They were astonished. How has this man become learned having never been educated? How does he know all these things? He can only know those things if he went through us. Be quiet. Sit down. You're stupid. I'm smart. I'm educated. You're not. You're not allowed to, you're not allowed to teach and, and, and know the Bible without us telling you what it means. You got someone like that leading the church? You got someone like that behind the pulpit? You're in the wrong place, headed the wrong way, the blind leading the blind. You believing his lies? He's a liar. He belongs to his father, who was a murderer and a liar from the beginning. Whom do you think Jesus was seeking to set the Jews free from? You don't need to follow these, these, these manipulators. These manipulators who psychologically utilize malicious words. They are the malignant narcissist, and they'll call you the malignant narcissist. They are the abusers and the toxic people who are insane, but they'll say, you're insane, and you're toxic, and you're abusive. It's all your fault, Jesus. You're bringing people astray. <laughs> Please. Sober up. Have, a, have clarity. Start thinking for yourself. Stop being a coward. No, didn't want to hear none of that. And as a result, many of his disciples 
withdrew and were not walking with him anymore. Oh, we're not going to accept that. No, no, can't do that. It's much better and easier in life to be subordinate, to just allow ourselves to be controlled by these prideful brutes, these Pharisees. As long as they tell us what to do, we're fine. We have brethren whose loyalty is to a building and to a Pharisee behind the pulpit. And the faithful know it, and we see it, and we avoid them. How can he teach that way? It's not fair. That ain't right. We Pharisees had to learn. We were born and raised to learn this stuff, and we were, we, we were educated. It took me years to know what I know. And here he comes, and he just... No, it's not fair. It's not fair at all. You see, Christ was speaking the scriptures clearly as they were so written. And the Pharisees had since deceived the people into plainly written texts void of its context and applying academic pursuit and binding that as law. Example. You read a plainly written verse of a recognized miraculous occurrence. Jesus walks on water. The Pharisee takes that verse and says, no, that's not a miracle. And then he proceeds to spew out all sorts of word salads, these big words, words you don't understand. You can't. You're stupid. He's smart. He's a scholar. You're not. You just have to trust him. It's a manipulative power grab. It's to control your mind. See, because if you don't know what he's saying, and he's the educated one, then we got to follow him. Denominations are made in such ways. The Jews then were astonished, saying, How has this man become learned, having never been educated? That's not fair. See, Christ knows that the words of the scriptures are plainly written and mean exactly what they mean. But you put those same scriptures within the hands of these pharisaical types, they are going to bring up all kinds of academic pursuit and all kinds of word salad and have you completely twisted up and just following them blindly like puppets. Follow the master. Yeah, yeah. His own brethren, his own culture, his own people, his own siblings. Yeah, you need the approval of the uh, Pharisees there, Jesus, if ever you're going to have any credibility. So Jesus answered them and said, in verse 16, My teaching is not mine. He is the Christ, isn't he? See, you Pharisees, your teaching is yours. They're yours. Because you think within the scriptures, salvation is found in your own selves. You search them day and night to find prideful justification in your own selves. And that's how you teach the Bible. But see, Jesus don't have that problem. And they hate him for it. Because what is he teaching? Not the will of men. Not the selfish desires of the pharisaical ilk seeking the praise of the crowds. No, Jesus was speaking the word of God. Not the word of men. See, Pharisees, they'll take this Bible and they'll have you read plainly, clearly, cle clearly written Bible words and they'll, they'll twist it. They'll have you believe that don't mean what it says. It'll make them look smart. Jesus says, that's how you operate. You think salvation is in your own selves and you teach it that way. My teaching is not mine doesn't come from man. 
but his who sent me. That's why he could teach the way he was teaching without being educated according to their standards and interpretation in academic pursuits. Friends, read it for yourself and look at it with that insight, that wisdom. Once you unplug yourself from the manipulative control of these Pharisees, you start to heal and think clearly, very soberly, very straightforward and narrow, and you start to recognize, wow, these people are... Do you know how bad of a sin someone must be for Christ to say you belong to your father, the devil, who was a murderer and liar from the beginning? Do you know how bad you have to be for Jesus to say that to you? These Pharisees were bad news, man. They were evil workers. There's a reason there's a whole chapter designated to rebuking them. Woe to you Pharisees, you fools. See, the way most Christians read this book, sadly, is thinking everything's just the good guys and the bad guys, and the bad guys are the heathens and the Gentiles. No! The Gentiles are already lost. The unbelievers, the pagans, the heathens, the Romans, the Greeks, they're lost. They're judged by God already. Who are these people? The believers, the Jews, the sons of the kingdom. The sooner we accept this truth, the sooner we start to clean house in the church and get rid of all these Pharisees in leadership and behind the pulpit, all these divisive, diatrophic individuals who do nothing but cause chaos and sorrow and pain and bring reproach on the church. Jesus was cleaning house. He is bringing people astray, away from the Pharisee and into the freedom of the Christ. My teaching is not mine, but his who sent me. If anyone is willing to do his will, not your will, not the will of the Pharisees here. Not my will. Certainly not your will. Not any of us. Not the will of mankind. The will of who? If anyone is willing to do his will, he will know of the teaching. Whether it is of God or whether I speak from myself. An honest poor in spirit, believer, will recognize, though not educated to the conditions and socio-measurements of the pharisaical ilk. No, 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 no. An honest, transparent, sincere, Bible-believing student, independent in his faith or her faith, will recognize when a Pharisee is manipulating the text and trying to tell you what you've been reading all these years that clearly says what it says. No, I don't mean that. And here, let me throw some big words at you. See, because you're stupid and I'm smart, so you have to catch up to me, but you'll never catch up to a Pharisee. It doesn't matter how many of the words he uses that you learn. It doesn't matter. He's always going to have preeminence over you. You're a slave. And dear friends, Christ is saying, it's much better to be a slave of God than a slave to these Pharisees. Their burdens are heavy, but the burden of the Christ is light. His yoke is easy. He who speaks for himself seeks his own glory. That's the Pharisee, isn't it? We have to learn to discern who these are in the church and avoid them. Withdraw from him. Get rid of him. If anyone is willing to do his will, he will know of the teaching, whether it is of God or whether I speak from myself. He who speaks from himself seeks his own glory. What did the Pharisees seek? The praise of men, money, greed. A Pharisee 
is a thief. But yet he'll accuse you of being a thief. Some of these Pharisees are the most cunning wolves. Again, how bad must they be for Jesus to tell them they belong to their father? And who is their father? The devil, a liar and murderer from the beginning. Oh, they go around the world, these Pharisees. They'll be found in mission fields. They'll be found all over the world. And what do they do? They make people twice the children of hell. That's what they do. He who speaks from himself seeks his own glory. But he who, who is seeking the glory of the one who he sent him, he is true. And there is no unrighteousness in him. That's why they hate Jesus. And that's why they hate everyone who chooses to follow Jesus. Why do you think they murdered him? He allowed it to happen. But why did you think their hearts were so, oh man. So evil. So evil. They couldn't see the good he was doing. They couldn't see who he truly was. They were so ensnared and bitter and hate and unrighteous anger. Did uh, verse 19. Did not Moses give you the law? Now, he's not asking a question because he don't know the answer. This is a statement of fact. Mo did, didn't Moses give you the law? And yet none of you, none of you, carries out the law? What do you mean? We are the lawyers. We are the Pharisees. We are the educated. We are the scholarly sources and gatekeepers and key holders to your salvation, which is found in us. Jesus is saying, no, salvation is not found in men. It's found in God. And it's not found in the way that you Pharisees have been interpreting the scriptures. It's found in the way God wrote the book, plainly written. Did not Moses give you the law, and yet none of you carries out the law? How dare he say that? Of course we uphold the law. We're the Pharisees. No, really? Oh, yeah? What did chapter 5, verse 18 say? For this reason, because... Christ had said, my father is working until now, and I myself am working. He's equal with the father because he said that, because he's, Christ is claiming so, that he is equal with the father. The Jews were seeking all the more to murder him. Because not only was he breaking their academic pursuits, uh, since bound as law, but also that he was calling his own, that he was calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Let me ask you something. What were, what was the law that these Jews, these Pharisees, were to be submissive to, to which they claimed Moses spoke and gave, thou shalt not, what now? Thou shalt not, go on, murder. And what were they seeking to do? Murder. They upheld Moses as a hero, but yet they would not pay attention to the words Moses wrote, for if they did, they would know who Jesus was. Why? Because again, they were busy taking the scriptures and manipulating the texts and creating subordinates. It's all about pride, control, and greed. Did not Moses give you the law, and yet none of you carries out the law? Why do you seek to murder me? Go on. You claim to be the lawyers. You claim to be the religious lead and the educated ones. 
How is it that you seek to murder me? Is that not against the law? The crowd answered, You have a demon. Who seeks to, who seeks to kill you? You're the devil and you're a liar. You're a devil, you're the devil, and you're a liar. This is what they told Jesus. What did Jesus say to them and whom they belonged to? Their father. Who was their father? The devil, a murderer, and a liar. What are they calling Jesus? The devil, a liar, a prideful, controlling, psychological manipulator, a pharisaical, diatrophic individual, that has taken preeminence in a congregation? He's going to call the innocent liars, thieves, all kinds of stuff. The very things they themselves are guilty of. We today politically call that the woke left maneuver. The crowds answer, you have a demon. Who seeks to kill you? No one seeks to kill you, you liar. Misinformation, misinformation. Jesus answered them. I did one deed. And you all marvel. For this reason, Moses has given you circumcision. Not because it is from Moses, but from the fathers. And on the Sabbath, you're circumc you, you, you circumcise a man. If a man receives circumcision on the Sabbath so that the law of Moses will not be broken, are you angry with me because I made an entire man well on the Sabbath? Wow. Wow. Straining gnats, swallowing camels. You're so concerned for the foreskin, and I'm not saying you shouldn't. But why have so much concern with the foreskin when neglecting the entire body? Come on, man. Stop following Pharisees. They've crept into the church. They've taken preeminence. They're in elderships and they're behind pulpits. And we don't need to die with them. Break free. Repent. Let's follow Jesus. Do not judge according to appearance, verse 24 but judge with righteous judgment. Now that verse makes sense, doesn't it? Jesus can't be the Christ. He can't be the Messiah. There ain't no way he be, he be the Son of God, as he so claimed. No, no way. He's the son of a carpenter. We know his mother and father, Mary and Joseph. He was born and raised... He, he's from Nazareth. No way. He was not educated through the... Uh, pharisaical uh, 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 school of, edu uh, of e education. He, he's no way. He doesn't pass the test. He doesn't get the stamp of approval. No way. They were judging him by appearance. Despite the fact that they could see all the good works he was doing, we be wise not to be blind. We be wise to open our eyes. Humbleness. Being humble. Pay attention. Look at the big picture. You want to discern the difference between a true, genuine preacher or evangelist or elder from a wolf in sheep's clothing? A prideful, controlling brute? Look at the fruits. The brute is going to move on and on and on, causing all kinds of divisive problems and chaos, causing all kinds of subordinates 
He's a problem. The genuine evangelist, the preacher, the one who is faithful, who loves you, who's been ministering to you for decades, discern the truth. You don't need to die with the Pharisees. As a result of these things, many of his disciples withdrew and were not walking with him anymore. We're a minority, my faithful brethren, my dear friends. We're a minority. So many, so many miss the mark. Do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. If we do that, we'd see the Christ and we'd be set free from the bondage of these pharisaical types. Man, it just breaks my heart to see some of my brethren deceived, manipulated. There is hope. There is hope. There is hope. We can be renewed we can return to God. We can repent. We can change the way we think. We can soften our hearts. Take a step back and think, man, who is it really that I'm following? What is it that I'm really believing? There's hope with Jesus. And if you think you're going through something difficult, and we just may be, it's part of life as faithful Christians, look at what Jesus went through. Look at how he interacted and reacted. Look at the things he done. He's the perfect example. Let's just follow what he does. Let's follow him. He makes us wiser than our enemies. He'll make us wiser than these so-called scholarly, pharisaical types. You can speak out. You can stand up. You don't need to bow down to the bully when he says you're stupid, sit down and shut up. You don't need to. You don't need gatekeepers. You don't need key holders. You don't need the Pharisees. Don't judge according to appearance. You know how easy it is for my enemies to accuse me of all sorts of things because of my past life? Oh, Stefan's a criminal. Don't pay attention to him. He's a thief. He's a bad guy. He's evil. You know how easy it is to make people believe that because of my past life? You know how easy it was for the Pharisees to convince people that Jesus was not who he said he was? Oh, he was born. He was not born in the, the, the royalty of the Pharisaical ilk. He's not educated like us. Well, Jesus was perfect. <laughs> I'm a far cry from that. I have no standing at all. But maybe you have a maybe you have a story as well. Jesus will set us free. He will set us free. The truth sets us free. Use the Bible. Let's follow Jesus. Those who would have chosen to remove themselves from the influence of these Pharisees, who sought forgiveness, they had the new birth. You and I, we have the new birth. We can be born again. We have to. Born out of water and the Spirit. Jesus told Nicodemus, <laughs> ruler of the Jews, man. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you are born again, born out of water and the Spirit, you won't make it. You'll miss the mark. You'll remain a subordinate. You'll remain lost with the blind leading the blind. The doctrine Jesus proclaimed 
In other words, the good news of the kingdom, his coming kingship, and redemption for all who sought entrance within his royaum, receiving the forgiveness of sins. This was birth from the mind of God. It was prophesied by the prophets of old. It was promised by the Christ. It was purchased by his blood, and it must be practiced by our faith. It was fulfilled as per the prophets in Jerusalem during the reign of the Roman Empire with great outpouring power from the Holy Spirit upon the twelve chosen vessels, the apostles who stood up among the people and proclaimed the death, burial, resurrection, witness, and ascension of the Christ. And all who warmly received those words, they followed the condition, the keys that were given in order to become legal citizens of the kingdom that Christ was now crowned king. Repent. Repent. And let each and every one of you, calling on his name, be immersed, submerged, plunged, dipped, buried, clothed. Why? For the forgiveness of your sins. Paul would say you are baptized into the body, the church, the location where salvation is found, the blood of Christ, calling on his name, Acts twenty two sixteen. All of this happened and was witnessed and recorded, Acts chapter 1 and 2. We don't need to follow the Pharisees anymore. We don't need to be slaves to these Pharisees, nor to the great many sinful beliefs and doctrines and, and, and uh, hostile, depraved, and immoral things all around us. All right, my friends, Stefan Maya with you. This will finish off our uh, Sunday sermon session. If you uh, find uh, any worth in the message, any spiritual benefit to your life, by all means, share it. Maybe maybe somebody out there needs to hear this, you know? Share it. Share it. Is that good? Stay focused. Stay positive. Lord willing, tomorrow we'll go live again for our Tuesday session. And you can look at the show notes for each day and their theme. And you can certainly subscribe to our channel here, the Added Souls channel, rumble.com slash seasoncharlie slash added souls. You can check out the work we're involved with in this mission, eastcoastchurchofchrist.com, over here in New Brunswick, Canada. We are a faithful family, a very small church meeting in our homes, but you can reach out to us and we can sit down and study these things. You'll find freedom here. You'll find peace. It's a good thing. It's a very good thing. All right. Till tomorrow, Lord willing. Peace out.